0: Hello, and welcome to the Diversify Her podcast. I'm your host, Raven Hayward. And today on the show, we have Ms. Nasia Acklin. Ms. Acklin is a senior manager of DEI at Discover Financial. I was actually able to connect with Ms. Acklin through a program I'm a part of called Youth About Business. And in our last monthly meeting, Ms. Acklin came to talk about human resource function. HR has taken center stage this year as companies grapple with the future of work, the great resignation, equity and equality issues, and even the return to the office since the pandemic. Ms. Acklin came to discuss these issues and explore ways that you can think about shaping a workplace in the future. And I knew from this meeting, I definitely wanted to connect with Ms. Acklin to come talk to us more on the show about DEI and how exactly that looks at her particular company, Discover, and what led her there. So thank you so much for coming on today, Ms. Acklin. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing well. Thank you so much, Raven, for the opportunity to be here.
0: Yes, so I'd love for you to start off by just introducing yourself and your journey to how you got to where you are today.
1: Sure, so I'm from Nashville, Tennessee, originally, and actually participated in Youth About Business when I was in high school, so I have a lot of love for that program. Um, After I graduated, I went to Hampton University, where I majored in business, started in corporate America, working for General Mills in the sales function And then after doing that for a number of years, I went to Cornell to get my MBA to career switch into human resources. So as you said, Raven, there's so much to the human resources function. Love the opportunity to start off as what's affectionately known as an HR business partner. And then eventually, I found myself getting into diversity, equity, and inclusion, which I feel like is my true passion, and combines so many important skill sets that I possess and what's necessary in the workforce. So I'm excited to uh, now have journeyed beyond and uh, had the opportunity to do diversity, equity, and inclusion for a couple of companies now, and look forward to continuing to learn and really drive impact in that space.
0: Yes. So I know you said you went back to Cornell to get your MBA to where you would focus in human resources. So, what made you want to go back and switch into human resources? Yeah. So
1: I think for me, having the opportunity to be in corporate America and work in the sales function, and it's not traditional sales. Everyone wants Cheerios. So it's a lot around strategic negotiations. I just want to get that out there early. Um, But with that said, being a part of the business and really driving for bottom line growth is important and key, but I realized I wanted to think about the people element as well, because that's your most competitive resource that you have within a company. Um, There's a lot of products developed, you can get patents, all those sorts of things, but the innovation is truly driven by who you have in the company with those ideas, the type of leaders at the helm driving it forward. So for me, going into human resources was combining my love of business, but also thinking about people and what that meant to be, make sure that we protected and was able to create an environment that was a, a win-win for both sides, the employer as well as the employees. And I think diversity, equity, and inclusion is just the icing on top of it because now we get to think about the richness and the uniqueness that people bring to the table and how you're able to add that to the business as well.
0: Right. So could you just give us a breakdown of what all entails with human resources? I know that before we just think of HR as hiring and letting you go in the company, but we all know now that human resources, it's bigger than that. And there's DEI on top of it. So could you just break down for us what exactly entails with human resources?
1: Oh my goodness. I feel like we need a whole hour to go through that. And I think it's just important for me to level set and say that human resources will look different from company to company. It has a lot to do with industry and size of company and needs, et cetera. But as you mentioned, um, historically, when people would hear human resources, they really think about payroll, where's the check, who's hiring, who's being fired. And I think those are still very important tenants of what it takes in terms of Uh, operational excellence when it comes to human resources. But what HR can entail has really grown to become more dynamic, to include some strategic elements as well. So ultimately for people like me, we wanna be sitting next to the business leaders who are making key decisions about their business and really helping them to think about the people, elements, components, or aspects that are necessary to help uh, make sure those changes go well help them see around the corner, make sure that they're thinking about all the people implications. So I love that very strategic part. And again, understand that there's a lot that comes with it. There's the administrative part as well, but know that HR is bigger than maybe that original definition. Uh, Just to be a little bit more specific, and I'm gonna oversimplify in the interest of time, but often you can think about um, HR when you're talking about that strategic element and, and breaking it down into two main pieces. And I'm going to call the first one, as I mentioned, I was an HR business partner. So that's an HR generalist sitting with that business leader and being connected to them on all things people related. Generalist, you know, base word being general. So what kind of comes up on a day to day that's very necessary to make sure you think about your human capital? That's the generalist space and, and what a lot of people are starting to think about when they say I have my HR contact within work. There's also specialists as well. And those are going to be groups that are slightly behind the scenes that really help support those HR business partners. So, again, think about some of the compensation and benefits. There's a whole body of research that goes into what we should actually pay people and and compensate in other forms of rewards. Well, they support the HR generalist and they're the thought leadership in that particular center of excellence that's coming up with design. What I do uh, from a DEI perspective is a new sort of uh, COE uh, or, you know, office that's been created to really bring that thought leadership for diversity, equity, and inclusion to the company, help arm the rest of HR and leaders to be able to get the best out. Same for recruiting or talent acquisition, et cetera. So you can have the specialist side, which is going to be less day-to-day interaction, a bit more project-focused or those subject matter experts. And then your generalists are really out pounding the pavement and deploying a lot of that insight with their leaders.
0: Okay. I love the way you broke that down for us. I was really able to just see like piece by piece, you know, how all of these gears are sort of working together in order to really get the machine working. Um, So I I know. (laughs)
1: The machine working well.
0: Right. So I know in our last meeting with Youth About Business, you showed us the DEI report that Discover did. And we could go online and um, also find it. I'll have it in the bio of this podcast episode linked and also um, on Instagram when I post it. But could you walk us through the process of how you did that Discover DEI report?
1: Thank you so much for driving more visibility, love for, you know, people to see it. The intent behind it was for the opportunity to be more transparent about our data. What does it look like, our demographic profiles through various levels of leadership? And we also wanted to tell our DEI story or journey. I was pleasantly surprised when I got to discover and heard about all the things going on. I think the leaders are really committed and, you know, walking the talk. But there was an opportunity to tell people about that, all the goodness that was going on. I don't even think all of the employees internal knew about it. So nevertheless, externally, we hadn't necessarily told that in a succinct manner. So this DEI report was a way for us to put a stamp in the ground and really talk about that journey and then also talk about where we hope to go. So what does the path forward look like over the next few years? What are we striving for? Um, it was a lot of work to pull it together, I think, to tell that story well. Your inaugural report or the first one is always really important because uh, you have a lot of, you know, you just want to talk about it all. And so we had to be thoughtful around how could we be concise? What was the most important parts? We wanted to make sure it was a central narrative that kind of ran through and to make sure, sure people knew um, that DEI did not start for us just in 2020 after the death of George Floyd and, um, you know, Maude Aubrey and Breonna Taylor, that there was already a desire to do more and be more in this space and think about how to be strategic. And Raven, when I say strategic, I know I've used that word a couple of times, which can be loaded. But what I mean by being strategic is not just doing peace here and something there. How do you pull it together so that it's all operating in the right direction to drive outcomes? So we wanted to make sure that, you know, that really stood out in our, in our journey. We wanted to talk about our aspirational goals. And so making sure we were clear within ourselves and to others on what are we striving for? Because when you put things out there, then people look at it and say, well, here's what you said. And they use it as a measure on if they can believe you or not. Um, Or if you're just, you know, a hot word that people say being performative, just saying the thing so people feel good and not really meaning it. So we wanted to put things out there so people knew where we were going and uh, be you know honest about it and meaningful and say, we've done really great things we're excited about, but there's still more work to do uh, on our journey. And then lastly, the data piece was really important. And what I'll say is you know, data can be tricky at times because left alone, everybody sees it through their own eyes and think and pick up on many different things. But well, we wanted to lean in and show absolutely as much as we could and be really honest about here's where we're excelling, and then here's where we still have some areas of opportunity that we're working towards. So a lot of conversation, and when you are in the world of work, um, alignment is a word we use often because people, there's so many voices. How do you make sure those voices are connected and everyone feels comfortable to put it out there? So that was um, a lot of the behind-the-scenes work, but we're so proud of what we've done. Please check it out. And this is only the beginning. Much more to come.
0: Yes, yes. I know um, one of my favorite things to see in the report was there was actually a gender and race um, slash ethnicity um, at Discover, and it broke down like the years. It also broke down the certain roles, and there was a key And one of the key colors was women of color that was specific to the U.S. And I know I really um, just enjoyed seeing that. And as you look, as the years go, you see those women of color increasing in those certain roles. And I know I want to look up one day and see the C-suite with more women of color that are represented in those roles. So I'd love to just get your opinion of how exactly... um, is Discover going out and getting more women of color recruits? Is there like a recruiting process or is it just a matter of looking for that specific talent? How are they going about and increasing these race and ethnicity numbers?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. And I just want to go back a little bit, Raven, to some of your, your last points there. Representation matters. We all want to look up and see people like us. And that doesn't just mean visible diversity. It doesn't just mean Um, gender or race, ethnicity. It's in a variety of ways for who we are. So I do think it's still important to think about the value of having diverse representation in leadership, not just at the peer level, but so that you're able to look up. And as many of us are continuing to strive to the top, um, whatever age we we may be, we want to know that we can do it and someone else has done it before us. The the data point on women of color is something that we were proud to put out there. Not a lot of companies do. And that's bringing in the concept of intersectionality, right? Mm -hmm. So it's not just about being a woman. It's not just about your race. It's what does that mean when it comes together? And are there some um, nuances for certain populations when their intersectionality comes together? So we wanted to call out not just how we're excelling for gender, but when you look at the women of color numbers, what does it look like in comparison? So we leaned in, and the opportunity to look at data in that way um, allows you to be more targeted. So to your question on how do you bring in uh, more representation, you have to be intentional. There are a lot of people who are looking for, uh, you know, diverse talent, you know, high potential um high potential employees, et cetera. So what are you going to do to be intentional to go and attract that talent to you? And you also sometimes have to go where the talent is. So you have to think about, for example, how do you have a strategy that goes towards historically black colleges or universities? It doesn't mean in this example that I'm giving that you can't find other black talent At um, all universities. But what it means is if you have a concentration of, you know, Black students, high caliber students at certain institutions, having a strategy that goes there where they are is super helpful. And that's just one example. You can do that in a multitude of ways. You can find conferences, you can go, you know, diversify your networks, you can be really specific in your, this is called sourcing. So how are you sourcing and being thoughtful around specifically trying to get into where those eyeballs are for the people that you're targeting? And that takes a bit of work and intentionality. So yes, we are doing that, continue to diversify our sourcing, who and where are we going to find the talent? And we want to do it across levels. Um, So even for leaders, when we're hiring in, we make sure that we have diverse candidate slates, which means making sure that we're bringing in different even to be considered from the very beginning.
0: Right. So I love that. And I love how you brought up the term intersectionality as well. That is a big term um, that's used a lot in DEI. And I know that with DEI, it can be a lot of work. And of course, things don't just happen overnight with this work. So do you have an experience where maybe one of your um, biggest failures or biggest learning moments through this work with DEI in your particular role?
1: my goodness. You know, um, there's there's less to choose from and not necessarily from a failure perspective. But I think it's important when you're doing this work, as you said, Raven, the wins aren't overnight. It's longer term to really drive change here. So to work in the DEI space, you have to understand what motivates you, like what makes you feel good every morning to get up and keep going. And, you know, are you someone who needs short term wins? Kudos. Somebody patting you on the back. Or outcomes? Um, And and if so, then you have to recognize this is long-term work. So how does that mean for you? So I think for me, it's not necessarily one failure I can point to. It's around expectation setting for myself and for others. And I think in the expectation setting, knowing that you have to celebrate the little wins and that it's a day-to-day occurrence to really help broaden, I'd say, people's mindsets or help them to do one thing a day that's more inclusive, Or just to interrupt the conversation to think about, is that um, coded language? Or are we um, reflecting bias? Those are the little wins that count. And so it's not always about that big, shiny next thing that you're able to do in the progress. I think those expectations. I think, um, additionally, on the other side, in, in working with people and setting expectations, this is tough conversation. You know, this isn't something that people... Always feel comfortable talking about or thinking about. So, how are you giving space and grace for others where they are on their journey, and finding what's the appropriate pace so that it's not so slow that nothing's happening, um, but you're giving people the opportunity to really lean in, learn it, understand it, and becomes champions of it. And I think if you know you aren't careful, for me, you know, one of my my personal flaws altogether is that I'm impatient in every way of my <laughs> life. So when it comes to work, how is that coming out and manifesting itself? Am I being impatient with myself or expectations or others on their journey? Um, Or when I'm moving projects along, am I stopping to make sure that I'm bringing people along in the journey? Even if that means I have to slow down a little bit, getting towards the desired outcome.
0: Mm, I love how you um, really brought up that key of patience and understanding that, you know, These things do take time and again just making sure that everyone is coming along with you to do this work. So, what have been your best resources that have helped you along your way of this work?
1: Uh, best resources, you know, I think that's great. I think it's important to keep diversifying yourself. Like I'm in the DEI space and I, you know, I'm really good at my job as a DEI practitioner, but that doesn't mean that I know everything. And the word diversity, which you know literally means difference of sort, there is so much to diversity that I have to keep learning and growing different types of diversity and, and difference in people. So for example, this year, um, my direct report, meaning the person who reports to me is gender queer. And so leaning in and learning a lot around transgender inclusion, an area of learning for me. Um, and what does that mean? And, and again, I understand it at a very basic level and have always been an ally to that community. But how do you really dig in and understand more so that you can be a champion and an advocate? Uh, same thing for disability inclusion. Lots of nuance there. When you think about what does that mean from a disability perspective, there's a new term um, that people are starting to use more openly being neurodiverse You know, there's just lots to learn in many different forms of diversity or as things come up in the world. You know, how do you think about the implications in the workplace? So I'd say it's very important to diversify your network, meaning connect with people who are different from you. I can not only talk to, hang out, listen to people who look like me or else I'm not going to learn and grow in different spaces. So I try to make sure from podcasts to my social media networks, to my mentors, to uh, my friends, just all around, I try to make sure that I'm connecting with people who are not just like me so that I can keep learning and growing and educating myself. And there's just a, you know, like, again, we talked about going where people are. If I want to learn about disability inclusion, how do I find organizations, research groups who are subject matter experts in that space and put myself there?
0: Right. And you actually um, ended up answering um, a signature question that I have on my podcast, which is what is one piece of advice you would give Gen Z listeners to go out and diversify themselves? So like you said, just going out and reaching out to different people, surrounding yourself with people that aren't the same as you, maybe sometimes getting in those uncomfortable situations, having those uncomfortable yet needed conversations in order to learn and grow and to flourish so that you can diversify yourself, right?
1: Oh my gosh, said perfectly, said perfectly. I mean, you know, thinking about Gen Z or even talking to, um, you know, people of color and women and 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 all of that, my advice would be a lot around the importance of building relationships. Mm-hmm. I think often when you go into the world of work, you think about doing good work, But really, it's about people, which is why HR matters so much, right? Mm -hmm. And people like people and want to connect. And we spend so much time at work. So in order to truly advance ourselves like many want to, we have to build dynamic relationships and making sure that for a Gen Z or coming into the workforce or excelling, carving out time to do that just as much as you carve out time to do your work. Mm -hmm. It's building those connections. And so, you know, Raven, to what you said perfectly, when you build those connections, they should be people of difference. They should be people who look different from you. They should be people who think differently than you do and do different things than you do. Um, You know, bringing in that level of diversity is it works on both sides. It helps you grow because you learn a lot about people and then it helps them as well Um, in their learning, but it helps you be more marketable for people to be able to vouch for and connect with you and serve as mentors and sponsors. And if, you know, there's not always something to gain from every relationship, sometimes it's just an opportunity to have a great listening ear. So yes, Mm -hmm. Gen Zers, relationships matter, taking the time to be intentional and do that. I don't think that's going to change. Human behavior says, you know, connection is our basic need. That means something in the workplace as well.
0: Right, right. So I want to take a step of reflection just as you analyze your whole career. And what's one thing that you wish you had known before you began your career? Oh my goodness.
1: I, mean, I wish I've learned so much um, along the way. So, you know, obviously I can get back on the relationship soapbox, but I'm going to go a little bit different where you say one thing I wish I would have known. And it's, you don't have to, you might not end up where you start. And I think that's okay. When you heard me talk about my career journey, I started off doing something totally different. And what's great about it is all of my experience connects. So what I did as being a part of the business helps me as now I'm in DEI because I understand the business. Or starting off as an HR business partner, I understand what HR business partners are going through as I'm giving them advice and counsel working as a part of the DEI COE. Um, So I think it all connects and comes together. It's really about those transferable skills that you're learning and, you know, skills, these skills that are important, leadership skills, they can be applied to so many different industries. I've seen engineers turn into investment bankers. I have seen, you know, doctors go into being entrepreneurs. I think there's just, you don't have to box yourself in and put so much pressure on, when you're starting out, I have to get it right. Mm -hmm. I think it's really focusing on the experience. What are you learning from it? How are you developing? And then continuing to apply that over the course of life. And once you get a little bit older, you know, it comes together and it's nice because, you know, I do diversity, equity, and inclusion professionally, but I do executive coaching on the side. I do speaking, I do Mm -hmm. DEI consulting. They're all connected. So it feels like it's working together perfectly. And that comes a little bit later in life. And I think that's okay. So jump in there. Life is about experiences. Have some fun and try to make a difference.
0: Yes, and try to make a difference. That's the most important. And I feel that that is particularly important because I'm about to graduate high school and go on to college in the fall. So hearing you say that sometimes, you know, the way it starts isn't the way it finishes, but also hearing that everything's connected, you know, DEI is something I'm passionate about, and I look up to you as a role model, as a mentor to see how, you know, you just mentioned how you do DEI consulting, you know, you're a senior um, manager of DEI your company, and you also do executive coaching, so just hearing all of that, you know, is truly inspiring. And I definitely want my listeners to be able to connect with you um, after this episode as well. So where can my listeners um, connect with you online?
1: I love it. This has just been such a pleasure and people like you just, you know, make me work harder to keep um, opening up more doors for people who come behind me. So Raven, I am so impressed and and I uh, look forward to staying connected. You can always find me on LinkedIn. My name is Nasia Aklan. The easy way to remember Nasea like see you later, but you spell that N-A-S-I-Y-A. Last name Aklan, A-C-K-L-E-N. Best way to connect with me there. Um, I do also have a website uh, available. So if you're looking for more high touch or to find out more about my services, www.nasia N-A-S-I-Y-A, Lily, L-I-L-Y-A
0: com okay thank you so much and i'll also have that um linked down below in the biography and of course on instagram so they can connect with you thank you so much for coming on today and speaking with me i hope you all got inspired and learned something i know i definitely did and i'll see you next time on diversify her